What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? This is Zach. And per usual, this is Eric. This is the Easy Podcast. Uh, so we easy. say our names backwards. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Uh, We've been gone for a little while. Um, yes, yes, we have. Not to not to be a, a downer up top, but um, the reason that we've been gone is there was a uh, a death in the family on uh, my wife's side, and uh, it was very unexpected, and um, really uh, it hit it hit pretty hard. It was um, yeah. uh, unfortunately a um, it was her nephew. And he was, uh, he was 15 years old and, uh, took his own life and he was 15. Oh, yeah. I thought he was 16. Yeah. Not I mean, that not that it makes him much better, him. but yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we had to fly out to Florida and, um, you know, be with the family for that. And, um, and then by the time I came back, we were just, we were, we were overbooked on projects. And, and so we're, we're now a couple of weeks out from an episode, but obviously family comes first. And, uh, this is, this is not the most important thing in the world, but, um, just to, um, just talk about it real quick. Um, you know, this week we are going to be talking about the Joker, but, um, that lends itself into kind of having a conversation about, um, well, men- mental health and well, yeah, other and things. And same same issue that my son wrestled with. And right. So 2019 has sucked. Let's just say it. Right? Yeah. I yeah. mean. <laughs> it's not been um, great um, at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things. A lot of loss this year that's yeah. been really hard to palate. So. Yeah. And um, it seems like um, there's, I guess, you know, I guess in a, in a, in a, in a positive way to look at it, there's starting to be a little bit more um attention given to mental health and um people are starting to talk about it a lot more not a lot of people but mm, people that probably were already talking about it are now talking about it even more so i think um you know normalizing conversation and um not not being afraid to actually you know speak up and and say hey you know i'm not doing so great or right Hey, my, my brother's not doing so great or sister or what, you know, or, yeah. you know, my mom, like anything. Yeah. Um, because I think this, uh, this terrible stigma of, of, um, shunning, you know, the mental health and, uh, not knowing how to necessarily handle it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Right. Um, but yeah, so it, uh, uh, man, yeah, it sucks. Uh, yeah. And we, and, and, you know, I think I shared this before after, um, Jacob passed, I think, you know, I, I don't have all the answers and nobody does. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this sense of responsibility to, you know, and we talked about this earlier in the week, just about providing a, a safe environment, Yeah. you know, removing the shame, removing the stigma, removing any guilt or any judgment. Um, you know, I think the direction of society you know, up to this point has not been favorable for people that struggle with a mental health issues yeah, um, or any mental illness issues. Um, and we haven't done a good job taking care of people. No, no. Um, but we did to make a difference and to really be helpful to everyone that's involved is, providing a safe place to have that conversation yeah. so yeah. that 
people don't be don't feel shame they don't feel guilt and i mean once we do that then i think we'll be able to have some traction and everyone will get the help that they need yeah hopefully i mean that that you know um getting help is difficult especially currently you know we don't we don't have outlets for it. Um, the healthcare system isn't the best. Um, I don't. I don't really want to go down that route at the moment. But um, well, we'll revisit this y- yeah, when we hit yeah. when we talk about the Joker for sure. Because yeah. there's some very there's a huge tie. <laughs> there's some this. poignant yeah. points in that yeah. film. Like whoa. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, that's just a little update on uh, kind of where we've been, um, what what's been going on, and uh, I mentioned you know coming back and then just being um, overloaded with with work, which has been. Um, good creatively um been a lot of fun yeah um B- busy is good but yeah i haven't seen you in a whole lot and we haven't hung out and we haven't <laughs> no. done this and yeah. i'm like are we even friends anymore like- <laughs> i know i know you you've seen uh you've seen some things come in to the office and then me run out and go film with them yeah i'm like oh oh there you go yeah so uh <laughs> what, what i'm talking about is uh we rented um we're considering purchasing a set of um, cinema, you know, true cinema primes next year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now we're in the testing phase. So we're renting things. And, um, I, you know, I went online, uh, Cinematography's Insight Facebook group, which, you know, Rob Rusher, um, he's, you know, head of that. And uh, I asked everybody in there, what, uh, what cinema lenses in this price range do you all recommend? Oh, yeah, I saw that post. Yeah, and um, overwhelmingly people were like the Sigma Cine, you know, primes like, wow. Okay. So let's rent these because of price point price per quality. Yeah. Yeah, Right. The price value ratio. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of people said, you know, you could, you could buy the Zeiss CP threes or whatever. The CP twos are more in line with the price of the Sigmas, but the CP threes, you know, but it does, it comes down to that, um, price per, you know, per what, you know, quality per price or whatever right, the, whatever yeah. the term is i can't remember what it yeah. is but um yeah and it's like yeah the the cp3s are nice but are they as nice or you know are they nice enough to be two thousand dollars more right no the so, justification y- y- right. of the additional cost yeah, yeah. so it uh, you know i'm not comparing uh the sigmas to a cook or an airy you know ultra prime or whatever like obviously those have their places and they're they're of a different caliber but uh, so we rented the Sigmas. The Sigmas came in. Uh, we shot an app, a new app commercial for it, and uh, yeah, they're pretty great. <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't immediately blown away by them. Um, and you shot you shot uh, you shot those on the FS5. Yeah, right? so it's FS5 with Atomos, so yeah. all 4K, um, 4K24, and ProRes um, HQ, and <laughs> oi oi oi, always yeah, cues up I in know, my head. Atomos every time, but uh, I. I was I was super impressed with uh, especially like the wide angle. The twenty four was the the widest one we got, mm. and we we had been shooting on. Um, we have the house has Rokinons, you know, so we've yep. been shooting on those, and they have like this weird kind of um, distortion that you get kind of around the edges, yeah. especially when you're shooting at like you know full open, like a one f one point four or whatever they go to. I can't remember. Um, but these completely wide open, there was little to no distortion on the 24 millimeter wide. Um, I didn't end up using the shot in the edit, but, um, it was still nice to know that 
I could have, you know, a subject in the far left of the frame and the far right of the frame, and they're not going to look distorted on one side and not the other. And yeah, yeah, it was good. So, um, I think we're going to probably go this route. Um, we reached out to uh, Duclos lenses who's based out of LA and, um, they're, those guys are awesome. Matthew Duclos. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can't recommend those guys enough. Immediately got back to me with, uh, with quote prices and, and help, you know, they were like, they offered, you know, just anything we needed. So nice. uh, shout out to those guys. Really great. And, um, yeah, so we'll hopefully have, yeah, I should be able to show some, some stills from it on, on the easy podcast. So, uh, Instagram. So look out for those. I did post a picture of the rig, the, uh, the, the FS five with the, with a couple lenses on there, but so yeah, go check out the Instagram um, for a couple of shots there. And um, besides that, like, what, have you been working on anything? Have I been working on any? Okay, I have not. I have completely ghosted since the end of May the the YouTube channel and yeah, yeah, in, in any kind of film or editing, and obviously because of um, you know what happened with my son and him passing and everything, it's been it's been a uh, a hard season yeah but yeah so i've been feeling compelled to sit down and do kind of a why have i ghosted video yeah and i've been resisting it because i know it's going to get emotional mm-hmm. um significantly and i've been waiting for my wife and my daughter to not uh, be in the, around in the house um and trying to find bandwidth First of all, bandwidth to sit down and do it. Like, just okay. I'm gonna action instead of looking for excuses. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then finding a a space that I can do it without, you know, where I can just be raw and be honest and kind of share that thing. So, um, I've been avoiding it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, uh, I know it's coming. I know I'll probably do that in the next, you know, two or three weeks, but. Um, but next week I'm off to vid summit. So yes. Talk about that. Um, talk about some of the stuff that you got for vid summit. Um, <laughs> you're eager to jump. I want to talk the, about you, it. You, I like gear. This is you, a filmmaking podcast. You, you we are, like gear here. Let's you talk are about the, the gear. Yeah. And I love gear as you, you all obviously know. So I'm heading to vid summit. Um, I met many of you don't know that, Actually, last year I sold my FS or not my FS, my uh, A7S2 to um, to fund my wife and daughter's trip. I think I've mentioned that before. I think so, yeah. And you know, they it was my wife's mom's 80th birthday. She's in the Philippines. I'm like, yeah, okay, we got to make this happen. Yeah. So yeah. we do whatever we take. You know. So this is me re getting you know geared up and. So, um, it's been, actually, it's been over a year and anyway, I'm going to vid summit going to, I'm actually helping, I'm helping the, uh, MC Rob Actus, which actually I'd love to have him on the podcast cause he does a lot of voiceover work. Oh, that's cool. And, um, he's here in town. I'm doing his videography for vid summit. So I actually don't have, I'm, I'm getting to go, um, that's comped and I'll be filming, and uh so yeah well, we got some gear for this for this gig quit teasing <laughs> and say what the gear is so i've been doing a lot of research on uh, you know a lot of the new mirrorless stuff 
I've been just diving into it because I want something small, something yeah. I can throw in a backpack, something that's easily run and gun. Yeah, because a ton of stuff has come out since yeah. the A7S too. Yeah, and everyone's got a mirrorless now. Yeah, I that I'm I've been a Canon guy for a long time, but I jumped Canon ship and went to Sony the last time around, and this time around I'm like, hmm, let's just see what's up and so you and i had a discussion yeah about uh about the fuji film we X-T3. did well it started it started with you asking about panasonic well because because they're okay, like oh so, gh5 and i was well, like well yeah, yeah the gh5 has got great compatibility i mean just great features and and the gh5s comes out it's got even better features yeah it's um, you know, it's micro four thirds. And that was my biggest hang up. My biggest hang up was the micro four thirds. And yeah. I was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't in good. I've seen amazing things with the GH five. Awesome. The stuff. majority yeah. of it outside during the day. Yeah. So I, I knew you would be doing a lot of this inside conference, you know, convention yeah. stuff. Yeah. The GH five isn't going to be the, the, beast that it needs to be for stuff right. like that it's not going to be an a7s2 well but and then panasonic drops the s1 right and the s1h which yeah. just came out a few months ago <clears throat> the s1h had all the features that i was looking for and it's full frame and i'm like ooh, this is real i was like really vibing on this particular and it's four thousand dollars. Yeah, it's just a bit. It's thirty eight hundred dollars, yeah. and I'm like, man, I'm if I'm at thirty eight hundred, I can buy right now for thirty five hundred an FS five or an FS five two. Yeah, sec, you know, second hand. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I, I know. really like that price point at all. I'm like, come on, and so they, you know, the the shopping continued, and I kept moving. And I was just resistant to. I'm like, I, I just can't. I just can't. I don't want to take out uh, another loan or finance it. And be, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, the whole time, Canon never comes back up. No, it does. I mean, the the EOS R is a great camera, and it's got great things going for it. But the things that it doesn't have are the things that I want. Like it doesn't have HD and a high frame rate. I mean. Uh, a 60 it has an hd at 60 yeah. but it's like dudes um my phone does I, yeah, hd my, at 120 yeah, now yeah so, it's yeah. like my it's, uh. quit quit neutering your your, <laughs> and, your cameras and for a mirrorless it's on the heavy side right so you know again going back so i you know it's funny because i've resisted the light camera for a long time because the lighter it is the more shake you're gonna have you, you know it's it's just the way it is um same with the lenses you get these light lenses and anyway yeah so we have a discussion we talk about the fuji the xt3 yeah you come over to my desk and i'm like well what about uh what about fuji the xt3 and um then we immediately watched a video shot by matthew libatique right on the X-T3. Granted, right. they had millions of dollars and, you know, these sure. thousands and thousands of dollars worth of lenses and blah, blah, blah. But shows that it's more than capable. Absolutely. Uh, it's small. It is a uh, Super 35 sensor. Yeah. So, and the price is right. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's so I started digging into the features. I started digging into the price, and right now you can buy the body only on Amazon for twelve ninety nine. Crazy. Yeah, and it does four K thirty, uh huh, and ten eighty up to one twenty. Yeah, which is exactly what you wanted. Yeah, and it's small. That here's yeah. the thing: it's small. I can put that, and then I got the Ronin SC. Yep, I can throw that with the Ronin SC in in like a Ninja five in my backpack and feel like I've got everything that I need. Yeah. I got every, to, yeah. to go and I, and I can, I don't have to check in this big box. I'm probably still going to get slowed down at TSA, but yeah, but yeah, it's cool. I'm excited. Yeah. It's definitely like, it's a mobile rig in your, in your backpack now. Yeah. And you know, as, as nice as like, the, the like things like the Osmo Pocket and the GoPro now that it has the really steady shot and everything. Yeah, the eight. It's not quite the same. I mean, obviously, there's there, you know there's little to no depth of field and and all that, and so you just you need these kind of rigs sometimes. With, yeah. You know, the Ronin SC, which I'm excited to see. I haven't actually seen an SC in person yet, and uh, we were and there it is. We were looking, we were looking through it in the little box, and I'm like, oh, this is adorable. Like just <laughs> everything about it, tiny. everything about it is so small. It's like you just took everything from a normal size gimbal and then just told photoshop to shrink by you know 40 percent, <laughs> right like it's all adorable it's not quite a 15 millimeter rail system it's like it looks like a maybe a if, nine millimeter if barbie yeah. had a had a gimbal it'd yeah. be the sc yeah anyways i think <laughs> yeah. it's it, it it looks it looks really well built though so even though it is small it doesn't feel like a toy right um which is always something that i look for you know things can be small gear is getting smaller yeah. and that's fine with me as long as it doesn't feel inferior or, right. or like it feels cheap. Right. Yeah. So, well, and you know, like you mentioned earlier, the phone capabilities, I mean, you know, with the release of the iPhone 11 pro and, um, and I mean the, the, the video and photo capabilities of phones are amazing now. Yeah. And so you've got this whole slew of, of gimbals for, for the phone. And so, I'm 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 gonna do I got a couple of them because they're you know they're pretty inexpensive and I was like all right I'm gonna do like this very, I'm gonna do a deep dive into these gimbals now especially with the Ronin or not the Ronin but the uh, Osmo. The, the Osmo three yeah which folds right right and Zayun um, I'm not sure I'm saying pronouncing that right but uh, they have the Q three. Or the Q, oh, let's see. Whatever their mobile one the is. The Q2, I think it is. Oh, okay. Um, which is their response to the Osmo 3. Right. Which is a folding one, but it's even smaller. Yeah. And so I, I, cool. and they and they took a different approach with that particular, which a lot of companies are doing now, is, is that they put it out on a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you back the Kickstarter. If the project gets backed, then, you know, they, they charge you, then they ship it out. Well, here's the thing. Kickstarter is great when you're you're the early adopter. That's the thing. It's you know, it's like people that want to support this, they're they're excited about whatever the gear or whatever the product is. They're the first ones to get it. Not so in this case. So I'm still waiting for it to be shipped. And it's available on Amazon right now. Oh wow. I can get it in three days right now at the same price. 
from Amazon. Was there anything special about the backer version? Nothing. Ooh. Nothing special about it. So well, I it, take I take back my comment about them being cool guys. Um, I mean, they make great products. Uh, I've I've seen some of them. I actually have some of them, and they work great. And they're the quality of the build is great. But this kind of made me like a little yeah, a little hesitant to purchase the like, crane yeah, from you know, them. Yeah, that's not cool. That it's now available somewhere else and faster than sure. If you if you backed it on Kickstarter, so yeah, anyway, yeah. Well, um, you're not, not actually going to be it. you're not actually going to be using the Fuji though um, at Vid Summit. You'll be taking no. an A7S two, yeah, because it's a new it's a new ecosystem. So I've got to you know spend some time getting familiar with it. And in the with the Sony, I'll know I know right where to go. Yeah, so I can just boom, 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 and get it done. Um, you know, I mean, there'll be a little bit of a learning curve on the on the ronin sc but i'll I'll play with that for a few days yeah you don't want to stack that with a learning curve on the fuji at the same time and right. especially when you're so like you, you need to be on the ball yeah for this project so yeah and it's you know it's a big conference there's guest speaking and in rob's emceeing the entire event so um i've got to kind of chase him around and we're gonna he's got an fs5 we're gonna set up probably for maybe a wide or something and then I'll do the run it run and gun around the room and try to get some other creative shots with the with this with this rig. So cool. Yeah. No, that'll be awesome. I can't wait to see some of that stuff. So um the Fuji, yeah. I mean I I sold it to you on color science. Basically. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um I, I love the look of the Fuji stuff and I love the look of their um, I mean, they have F, I think it's F log, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny, but, um, well, so I know I dove into, um, so Caleb from DSLR shooter, who's got a, a really great channel on YouTube and he did a video on it a couple of months back and, um, did the seven reasons why you want to buy it and the seven reasons why you don't. And after watching that video, I'm like. I'm convinced. Yeah. The seven yeah. reasons weren't compelling enough. They weren't. To, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a big enough deal breaker to go. Nope. This isn't the right one. I just feel like it's the right fit. And I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I love the obscure, you know, yeah. everybody else is buying the cannons and, and the Sony's and, um, I mean, the Panasonic could be considered a little obscure in some of those circles, but, uh, you know, the other coming up is kind of one of the big three now. Yeah. What's interesting about this is this goes all the way back to film stock days because when you did film and you shot on film, it didn't matter obviously what camera you were shooting on so much as it did the it film was, stock. Yeah. The film stock was yeah. a huge, that was like eh, where the focus was right. all the, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And it's funny that, I mean, I've, I've talked about this a ton that I feel like you treat camera, you should treat cameras and sensors as film stock. And then you treat the lenses as kind of a film stock too, because they all have a different aesthetic. Um, I've talked about that a lot, but what's funny to me now is that now you're, you're still getting that. Like you, back then you had Kodak and Fuji, right? And you chose Fuji. If you wanted kind of a, a different, almost what I refer to as like a European Mm. vibe to mm -hmm. your film i don't yeah. know why i associate yeah. it with that it's the difference between if you're into audio it's the same thing between like bose and jbl right bose has this really crisp 
really bright sound, which some people love. Yeah. And then JBL just has this amazing warm through all the mids and everything. I mean, just the, the tonal quality is sure. just this warm, just wash over you. Yes, I'm a JBL. I was going to say, man, we're really selling the JBL here. <laughs> but it's the same idea. You know? Yeah, the, for sure. The Fuji was this crisp, really bright, like clean uh, stock. And the Kodak was this this really warm, you know, your mm -hmm. mid-tones and your neutral, yeah. just really, uh, yeah. So I, I think it's funny that, you know, everybody, the 5D Mark II comes along, introduces this entire new generation of filmmaking oh, styles. Yeah. And then everybody wants to, or everybody's trying to now catch up to Canon and do the Canon look because everyone yeah. likes the skin tones of Canon. Yeah. It's good. It's fine. And they, want, and they were winning yeah. that battle for yeah. many years. Right. Yeah. But I think you know eventually Sony, uh, they're st they're they're getting they're almost there they're yeah. almost there for me. Yeah. Um, Panasonic, I think, is there. Oh yeah, for um, sure. But, it has been for a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm looking at things like okay, yes, the Canon is a great standard look and skin tone. Right. Yeah. But where's my aesthetic? Yeah. Where's my interesting? Uh, where's you know where's the like you said like kind of the out of the box look yeah and yeah i can shoot you know a log profile and then color graded in post to have a look right but sometimes it's nice to just see that on board color instantly and i feel like the fuji brand like some of their picture profiles are just outstanding yeah i think they're great so uh, i'm super stoked that you got it i can't wait to steal it from you yeah and use it all the time well you can't so. steal it because i already offered it <laughs> well so, fine whatever yeah. they don't know that but feel so here's the thing that i'm most excited about about this whole thing because it, it it checks all the boxes for me but the thing that i didn't think about what you know you mentioned lenses is is that um you know, with adapters, you can put on all kinds of different lenses. Yeah, and yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. And then I spent some time looking at adapters. And then I spent some time looking at old vintage lenses. Yeah. And I was like, and you can get them oh, cheap. Uh, eBay's got a ton. Like 25 Canon to 50 FDs, bucks. You know, yeah. it's like, I'm like, oh, this is going to be this is going to be fun yes. because now I can go through and now, and people are realizing this and sadly they're cranking up the prices on some of these vintage yeah. ones. I'm excited about the amount of money that I'm going to save and the fun that I'm going to have diving into, you know, just finding some old right. lenses that I can just have some fun. And with. it makes it, you know, pretty easy too, because the SC that you got, like it comes with the focus, wheel and everything right and the gears so it's not like you need to rely on a lens that has modern technology right yeah so you just throw the zip get zip gear on it and then you go like yeah it, it's so cool and you're gonna get those cool 80s and 70s lens yeah. aesthetics and yeah. they're not perfect and that's what makes them cool right you know? exactly that's what i love about and that. that i love that you said that because that we live in an age where everybody's striving for perfect and what they're forgetting is, is that it's the little imperfections is that what gives us character. Yeah. And that's in everything in, in, in the, what we're producing film wise and video wise, but everything that we do, I mean, the little flaws that make us up is what makes us unique and, and 
that uniqueness is what makes us, you know, what makes you, you. And yeah, so the striving for perfection thing. Yeah. We want to do our best, but I think, yeah, let's not discount the, let's not discount the uniqueness of, of, you know, the, the different looks and, um, yeah. Yeah. I can go on for on well, and on about that. That sounds but. like a, uh, a a gorgeous segue into just us talking about the Joker. Yes. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Talk about aesthetics. Um, wh- what did you see it on? Let's let's get that out of the way first. So, where um, did you see it, and how big was the screen? The screen was the larger. It was the. Um, it was a Dolby Cinema screen. Um, did they leave the house lights on? They did not leave the house lights on. Um, oh my gosh! So it was a, it was a it was a good size screen. Yeah, uh, I saw Cine One, which if you know anything about Harkins, you know what the Cine One is. Yes. But, um. So this movie was shot in one eighty five to one, not two thirty five, which is what most cinema movies, you know, right. cinematic movies are shot at. Um. And I loved it for that because there is so much of it that benefits, I think, from having that taller screen. I don't know how I feel about it when I'm at home, but when I'm watching it on an 80 foot yeah. screen, it's amazing. Yeah. And the thing is, is it was that I mean, we don't talk a lot about that, but aspect ratio um, on, on these screens, you know, I sat and listened to um, Shane Hurlbut talk about, the importance of, of the ratio. Right. Yeah. And, and picking the right ratio to lend itself to the overall feel of the film. Yeah. And it's, it's something that often gets overlooked, um, but it's so important. And, you know, and I think, like you said, because so many films are like, Oh, it's two thirty five to one, you know, and they don't, and then they don't even give any other thought to, Oh, But this one, it was yes. <laughs> I, I see. I seem to see that more uh, happening more and more lately of people choosing aspect ratios. One aspect ratio that I just I don't like is the four by three, and it seems like that's kind of happening a lot more lately. Um, there was a movie a few years back called Ghost Story that it benefits, I think, from having the four by three aspect ratio because. Yeah. It's meant to feel claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, there's another movie coming out called The Lighthouse um, with uh, Robert Pattinson and um, oh gosh, the guy that played uh, Green Goblin in Raimi, um, w- Willem Willem Dafoe. Oh yeah. Um, and it's four by three. Also, um, I'm imagining that's probably for the same reasoning to be claustrophobic because it's about two guys stuck in a lighthouse during a storm. Oh yeah. Um, and then it going slowly insane. Um, but this yeah there's these aerial shots of gotham and these shots of like joaquin phoenix that are just like full height like head to toe and then he's got his hands in the air you know because he's doing this like weird dancing throughout the whole movie yeah but i felt like if you did that in 235 he would have been so small on the screen you wouldn't have necessarily I, i wouldn't have had the same feel Right. Um, a lot of this feels very intimate in the sense of like you're you kind of feel like you're in the room with him as like these things are happening most of the time. Yeah, yeah. most of the time. And I think it was a really smart um, cinematography choice, honestly, mm-hmm. to go that route. Yeah, 
Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, in speaking of cinematography, so it's Lawrence Shear, um, who did one of my other guilty pleasure favorites of the year, which was Ghost uh, Godzilla. Oh right, King right, of the Monsters, right. yeah, um, which yeah. is gorgeous. It's a beautiful yeah. movie as well. So um, this movie, though, uh, immediately what stood out to me was the cinematography. Okay, for me, the thing that jumped out was the color. Oh my gosh, yes. The color, I was like, the coloring, the color grading, the choices, so, so made you, it made you feel ill. Yep. Like, it just made you, like, things just were like, uh, like, it was just tweaked and you just didn't, it it didn't let you get comfortable. (laughs) No, no, there's so much (laughs) of this that's like, I feel like this movie really shines from uh probably four main things over everything um it's not the writing the writing doesn't shine i don't think but the obviously Joaquin phoenix is absolutely incredible amazing uh, he, he's one of the best actors right now uh, there's there's no doubt about that yeah um but the other three things that i think obviously help the overall tone um isn't directing isn't the writing it is the set design the mm-hmm. costume design mm-hmm. and then the cinematography, which I'm going to lump cinematography and the color grade in together. Yeah. Um, because they're, you know, they, they work off of each other and obviously the color grading works with the art direction and this, you know, the, um, the costume design as well, but the, the colors that are in each thing and the way that like one room has one color tone, another room has another color tone and they blend perfectly. And you just, you feel dirty when you're in the these dirty sections of Gotham and the in the apartment and the the amount of detail in just every set design that they're in is just outstanding where like all the subway cars have graffiti and like if you you felt like you were really in 1980s New York yeah and, and it's amazing how good they got that like how accurate they got that yeah it felt straight out of you know 70s 80s new york the movie washed over you and you felt like you needed a shower afterwards yeah it just you just felt like oh there it it, well yeah (laughs) which which lends to how well it was done yeah i mean yeah it was um the color i just couldn't get past the color because i'm like oh i i i feel physically ill from yeah just the color uh, and and i'm sitting there and i just locked you know i try to try to take myself out of those things but you know we had this we talk about this all the time you know as a filmmaker you're watching you're picking up on yeah. all of these little details all the time like oh yeah man, you can't just enjoy really anything yeah. anymore <laughs> yeah it's 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 kind of a and I was really wanting to do that. And some sometimes I can get there, you know, and some of the Marvel, lost, yeah, you know, right. I'm a, a fanboy out and then I can disconnect from right. all the technical aspects of it until some like really amazing swooping like or or you watch like, it gym 20, shot 22 comes across, times, you know. Right. <laughs> but um man, this I locked in on the color like probably within the first five minutes and then I was I was like, oh man, that oh I mean that, just the just first shot how it lends. Yeah. You know, there's like these yellows and greens oh, and, and it was like I uh you know, the yeah. color that makes the yeah. Just very muted 
mm. uh, just sickly colors throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing really pops off screen that in like a positive way, you know? Right. Um, the, the cinematographer, or sorry, I already said the cinematographer. The colorist of it is, uh, I'm going to say this last name wrong. I'm really sorry. Jill Bognowitz. Um, she is on Instagram. You need to follow her. Like she did, um, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the Grand Budapest Hotel, John Wick. Oh yeah. Um, she's got Dr. Sleep coming up, which that looks amazing. Um, Umbrella Academy. That's another great color. Yeah. Which like, come on already. I'm ready for season two. (laughs) Right. Right. But uh, anyways, go, go follow her on Instagram. Um, Jill, uh, Jill Bognowitz, um, Look, look up that name on IMDb. Uh, she's in the editor section, um, and then and then go copy paste into Instagram. But uh, I've been following her for probably a year now. Um, just incredible! Like her coloring is is just on another level. So yeah, um, go go check her out for sure. Um, but yeah, the colors in this, the the cinematography, like uh, every uh, I, you know, we use a lot of people use the term like every frame is a painting often you right, know yeah um but it felt like every frame in this was just like the the art department the sound they're the the set dresser everybody cinematographer just eating it up like just mm-hmm. doing absolutely their dream yeah for every part of it and it felt lived in and real and um it felt period piece without feeling period piece right um even even camera movements felt very 70s and 80s you know um just the way they moved the camera it wasn't it it didn't feel like a whole lot of modern camera angles uh, um or movements you know of like it didn't nothing really felt gimbally or yeah um nothing was on like a a moto crane uh you know on, on a car it didn't really have that feel to it um everything felt like they were only allowed to maybe use the technology that was available to them, you know, now 30 years ago. Right. Um, and, and it, it just adds to the aesthetic. Yeah. So I'm not sure there's probably a, I can't even imagine how much CGI in this for the the city to make it look Mm -hmm. older than it probably is. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know where that was. I'm sure they shot it in Vancouver or something, but, um, maybe, maybe they did shoot it in in New York. I, I, I should have looked that up, but, uh, overall, those are the standouts. Yeah, color, cinematography, yeah. and the yeah. set direction uh, yeah. and art direction is just—it's just amazing. Yeah, and you know, I—I I think they did a really great job of of the, on that film on on how that makes you feel. Yeah, and I think you know it was funny. We went last night with an, uh, some other friends of ours, and we sat and we talked about it in the theater for like another 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. The theater had already emptied out. We're still sitting there talking about all the issues, right? We're talking about the, the mental health issues. We're talking about how easy it was, you know, it was funny because somebody had mentioned like, yeah, there wasn't really a hero. And I'm like, ah, you got to be careful there because a lot of, people would look at the Joker as being the hero. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Um, we brought this up uh, last episode, maybe two episodes ago. And um, the trailer had the first trailer had just, no, no, no. It was the Venice film festival. That's right. right. Yeah. It aired at the Venice film festival. And um, 
uh, gosh, uh, the, the tweets and the reviews that went out were just obscene in the sense of like, Oh, it's the greatest movie ever. It totally changes the genre. Um, I'm going to speak on that real quick. Nolan still did it better. Um, Heath Ledger still did it better. I think in the sense of you have a comic book character and you're doing a comic book movie. Um, right. I, I think Nolan still delivered better than this movie did in that regard. Um, right. Probably to its detriment actually in the sense of, I, I think I actually would have loved this movie, loved it if it wasn't a Joker movie and it was more about just a dude. He could still have the clown temp agency job thing. That's fine. Um, but if it was more about just uh, an unstable guy becoming more unstable and then you didn't have these to me forced moments that tied into the Joker character, which I'll, we'll get into in spoilers. But um, yeah, I, every time those things happened, I just kind of rolled my eyes because it, it felt so out of place to me. Mm. Um, and it, it just felt very forced um, as it progressed. I would have much rather it have just been a dude that takes the persona of a clown because that's kind of like he maybe is hiding behind that mask because they uh, do talk yeah. about masks, yeah, you know, yeah. in the movie and, and all that. Um, and, and then just turn into like a John Wayne Gacy type of a uh, story right. as opposed to this Joker story. But um, yeah. So going back to the, the, the conversation though. Yeah. Finding I've seen very little, um, a lot less, I would say um, responses to people praising the Joker as right. this, um, you know, anti-society movement hero. Um, I know everybody went up in arms, uh, kind of me included. Um, and I, you know, I sent out a tweet and we talked about it and you listen to that episode and, um, it, 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 the, the blow up didn't happen the way I kind of expected it to. I thought right. this would be a lot bigger. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe it will be, maybe there is time or maybe people are just kind of, I don't know, staying low or whatever. I, I don't want to speculate on that, but it definitely didn't blow up the way I was expecting it to. Right. Um, but I do agree with you that um, it is dangerous. It's very dangerous. And to, well, well, <laughs> let me, let me finish my sentence because stopping at dangerous sounds like, I mean, the whole thing is dangerous. The movie, <laughs> the movie itself is not dangerous. I don't think that movies should be blamed for people's actions just the same way that I don't think that video games should be blamed. Music shouldn't be blamed. Right. Yeah. Books, you know, yeah. It, since the beginning of time, people have had issues with mediums and scared mothers and stuff blaming kiss for you know you know what i mean like yeah there's there's just the whole thing so right. i i and I, not get to the real issues right which yes. we started at the beginning of this podcast episode right. talking about mental health so um first and foremost this movie is about mental health and it's about how um i'm going to use the word society just because it's an easy way to say it society has failed people with mental health problems right and how we we don't know what to do. We we've, we've cut funding. We've, right. We, we don't care enough. Um, and I think latching on to the ending at which I'm, I'm, I'm dancing around what you Without said, because spoilers, I don't want to spoil yeah, the ending. Yeah. Um, because the, the, the ending thing, I mean, should we, should we just do a, spo we we, just we, a we're going to do a spoiler uh, alert here. Would, here you, would, comes you, would you recommend this movie at least? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely recommend this movie. And I think that, uh, it, I, and I want people to have a discussion. 
I yeah. want I want this to be. I mean, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix in a movie is great. You know, from a movie yeah. experience, yeah. Um, never disappoints. But beyond that, there are issues that it addresses that I I feel strongly that we need to have conversations about. And I and and my hope is is that that we can do we can have these conversations that that we can have them openly. We can have them in a safe place. We can have them civilly. And that's a big part. And, and that we can, we can learn to understand things that we don't understand that quite honestly, as you mentioned, I feel like society has swept it under the rug because it's an uncomfortable topic and not enough people, um, really know how to address it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, I, I wrestle with whether or not to bring this up, but I think it's relevant, so I will. When we're in the hospital and Jacob's hooked up to all these machines and he's laying in the hospital bed and people were coming in to the room. They would come into the room and they would immediately just freeze up or clam up and not say anything and not, you know, and just this uncomfortable space, sure, which is completely understandable and completely reasonable. However, because of that fear or because of that uncomfortability or because of this uncertainty of how to act in this, in this space, you know, um, ignoring it or clamming up and freezing up is not okay. Right. And I mean, we were a hundred percent convinced that he could hear. And so at that moment, early on when he was there, I took it upon myself to make people comfortable and have them engage with him, even in the condition that he was in and he, you know, not being in a coma, you're not responsive, you know? So, um, and I would talk to him as if we were talking right here yeah. with the expectation obviously no expectation of him responding, but for him at least like we were convinced that he could hear everything. And I wanted everybody to come in and feel like, wow, I can, I can engage. I, I don't have to be I this uncomfortable. Yeah. We, you're not then, necessarily then, normalizing the situation. Not, it's not but, normal, but you're, 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 you're making it okay to be aware of the situation. Yes. And I'm making it, making it a safe place yeah. for people to be expressive. Yeah. Uh, it's okay to come in and cry. Yeah. It's okay to come in and talk to him. It's okay. You know, and I think, and you know, now I'm more acutely aware of these types of things because of that situation. And, and that's why I feel so passionate about providing people a safe place where they can feel that it's okay to be uncomfortable, but it's not okay to sit and stay there. Yeah. It's not okay to clam up. It's not okay to ignore it. It's not okay to sweep it under the rug. Cause when that happens, worse things happen. So in the same, you know, in the same way I want, I want my hope again is, is that people can walk away from this film and have intelligent, civil, respectful discussions to find some solutions because yeah. people need help yeah. and, and people that are needing to help people in that space with, 
those issues need help. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, starting it as early as possible, because you talk about people coming in and being awkward or not, you know, not knowing how to handle the situation. And so they just want to ignore it or not draw attention to it. Um, That comes from a conditioning of how we've been, you know, how we've been trained to handle those situations. Absolutely. So now we're in the midst of one of the worst, I mean, uh, people call it an epidemic. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, scientifically, I don't know if that's accurate, but I'm going to use the word, you know, to the best of my knowledge, we are an epidemic of mental health issues and depression and, and, and suicide. And um, I think we're also in the middle of us retraining our brains on the correct way that we should be talking about and handling mental health and um, it's going to take a while, yeah. but it, but, but us starting it now helps the next generation to be a little more open about it. And then the next one and the next one, and then eventually you don't, we hopefully, you know, the hopeful end goal is that eventually you, you don't have people coming into the hospital, not knowing how to interact in that situation. Right. They come in right. and because they've never not known how, right. By the time you get there. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know what else to say about it. So um, I, I think it's, it's really important. I think it's an important topic. Um, I would recommend it just in the sense of um, everything you said, but also uh, I think it's an important film to watch um, in, in a filmmaking way. For sure. 100%, I think if you yeah. are interested in cinematography, you're interested in color grading. If you're interested in set design, um, being an art director, uh, this movie, um, it oozes thematic elements told through visuals. Yeah. Just from beginning to end. Um, it's going to be, as time goes on, this is going to be a reference film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where, you know, you, you look at different films, there, there are different films that stand out over time yeah. in specific parts. Right. You know, and so you're like, yep, this is going to be a reference film. Yeah. And I think it'll absolutely be on the top of the color list. Oh, yeah. For it, sure. It's, it's beautiful. Um, the, the, That's one of the reasons why I kind of wish it wasn't a comic book movie. Right, yeah. Um, it's yeah. because I think there there is going to be that group of elitist filmmakers going to be like, well, that it's a comic book movie, so whatever. It's It's... I don't want to say it's more than that. I think filmmaking wise, maybe not story or character wise, it is, it is more than a comic book movie. Um, if you, if you held this right next to the dark Knight, cinematography wise and color, I mean, it, it just holds, it holds up right next to it. Um, you know, I think understanding the characters better, Nolan did it better. Um, but still, I think, you know, the whole crew on this did a fantastic job of, of visual storytelling and then honestly, Joaquin Phoenix is 100%. incredible. So, yeah, I recommend it as well. Um, let's get into spoilers. Boop, 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 boop. Spoilers ahead. If you have not seen Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, then pause this episode. Go watch the film at your favorite theater and then come back and continue to listen. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Boop, boop, boop. All right, so uh, yeah, we're in spoilers. If you're still listening and you haven't seen it, that's your own fault. Um, 
Okay. So we're, we were well. Let's let's go. Let's refresh real quick because we we got on a little bit of a tangent. You were talking about um, people seeing this character as a hero at the end of this. Yes. Um, which we we mentioned was is is dangerous, and I agree with you. Yeah. Um, lead up though, it felt like ninety five percent of the movie did not have him really as a hero you no, not you, at all you felt no. very much like no this guy's crazy yeah the things he's doing are wrong even though it was these punk jerk you know rich kids that were teasing a woman and then they beat him up uh you still don't really sympathize with him at no. all and you don't you no. don't agree with the reason why he's doing it and then you get into the last five minutes of the movie and that's when it crystallizes and it flips yeah. and it goes from being this movie about mental health and a guy absolutely going to the edge of his insanity and you're watching that process to now all of a sudden a fictional city is hailing him as a hero and he's the symbol of anarchy and the 99 percent being you know uh better than the one percent which is what the whole theme of the movie is basically is is, um you know that the one percenters are Terrible, which I oh, side note, I always think is really ironic when a giant Hollywood blockbuster production company makes this one percenter is the bad guy movie. It's like, you right. know, okay, all right, sure. Yeah, Todd Phillips, go swim in your money pool yeah. while you're making a statement about, you know, Wall Street, whatever. Yeah, it, <laughs> exactly. It's, but it's just playing the, those those narratives are just playing into the the societal narratives right that they're not they're not really thinking that one through yeah and that that was that's that was my problem with a lot of this yeah was and it's it's the reason why i wanted it to i I would have appreciated this movie more if it wasn't centered around a dc universe and the joker so which it didn't feel dc thank no god it it definitely didn't um which i think is why the batman stuff feels super forced to me as i'm watching it right because overall vibe and 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 direction and and lighting and and just cinematography and storytelling in general the story is cohesive, which unlike most DC movies, you have no idea what's going on most of the time. Right. And they're just, they're clearly chopped up in post and then sent out. And, um, this one was coherent. It was story. It was character driven. Yeah. Less about the action scenes. But then it was like every once in a while, it was like, what, what did the director and the writer know the Joker had to have? Well, he's got to have green hair and he's got to laugh and uh he's got to have some sort of connection to batman yeah the green hair thing didn't didn't land for me no like it it felt so random it was random and it didn't make any sense yeah which is why i think it kind of works in the nolan one because he just shows up and he already has it right i think that's a part of why i feel like this doesn't necessarily work as a joker movie to me because um the the appeal of the joker is not knowing who the joker is right yeah um kind of why the han solo movie didn't work for me right yeah you like han solo because he's a scoundrel that you don't know anything about there's some mystery there and the when mystery you start aspects. taking the mystery out then you're you're yeah. you're not doing the character any service right yeah. and i think the character would have totally worked if he was just 
Um, you know, he, he was a mentally unstable guy that was, that got crazier and crazier and went uh, further and further and still had his, his normal brown hair, but then puts on the clown makeup because of his history with the clown that makes, job. That didn't bother me. That would have totally worked yeah, for me. Totally worked. But then this weird forced storyline of is he Bruce's brother? Is he Thomas Wayne's son? Oh no, his mom's actually crazy. Okay. Or sure. was that a cover? Or was it a cover? I mean, there's a whole other I mean, the the problem I have with this too is like it introduces a lot of what ifs right that i don't necessarily care about right um if he okay if he is i i did i was like oh snap could the joker actually be batman's half brother but what that idea was like very compelling to me but what's the point because they've already said that they're not lumping this in with any of the other dc stuff and he was considerably older in he's much older so it doesn't really matter so even if that bruce wayne from this movie grows up to be batman which spoiler alert he probably will be because we see the stupid alleyway thomas and martha wayne getting shot and the pearls falling to the ground again i'm tired of seeing it yeah we didn't need to see that either oh. you could have you could have foreshadowed that and they then just, just walk down it. walk down the alleyway and then you see the guy with the gun and the and the clown mask just turn and follow him not even That's that all. you didn't even need that. not You're even right. not even him turning right. and following him but just the camera shot sitting on him noticing them oh right yeah. as they as yeah. they turn down the alleyway and then right. and then leave it there that would have been enough because you see on this on the marquee that they're seeing the zorro movie yeah. which is where it comes from yeah you could have just seen the waynes walk out oh by the way really stupid character writing here i felt like because they knew that this protest was going on that night this huge protest and they're already like he's running for mayor where is this dude's body guards right where is like, why is he just yeah. walking around downtown gotham with no one watching over them right with his wife clearly wearing like a bunch of rich pearls or whatever uh which is funny i found out from um mr sunday movies who is the co-host of the weekly planet which is another podcast but he does, which is a great podcast yeah, by the way let's i don't let's give them a shout yeah. out i don't want to i mean everybody's already it. listening to that yeah but <laughs> go go listen to them if you're not already weekly planets a couple australian guys um, and they're awesome they're hilarious yeah but he has a youtube channel where he does you know trailer breakdowns and stuff like that and he's one of the originals for doing that and uh, he had an easter egg video about the joker and i found out from that video that um if pearls are cheap they fall apart like that because expensive pearls are actually they have a knot inside of the pearl on the actual necklace band that prevents them from falling off if they do accidentally break oh. they wouldn't go everywhere right yeah so the imagery that you always see of when they when martha wayne gets killed and like the necklace goes it's like it's it's it either means that thomas wayne was cheap or they're just doing it for the imagery, which is obviously they're just doing it for the imagery. Right. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that rich ones wouldn't fall apart like that. They right. would only lose one mm-hmm. and then that's it. And then they would just fall on the ground. Um, anyways, not as dramatic, not as dramatic. It doesn't look as dramatic, yeah. but, but also another layer to it that, you know, if you know, maybe right, you're like, right. hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, there was so many things like that, that every time something happened, I was like, it felt 
very forced or very much like so, the okay. writer you and director. There's, a, there's, you give the impression that there's a lot of those. I, 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 I agree with you on the, on the shooting in the alleyway and the green hair. What were some of the others? I, I think it's an interesting character trait to have him have this laughing Tourette's mm, uh, mm-hmm. symptom, which I, apparently is a real thing. Um, I, I did look it up and that, that was an interesting aspect of it, but I, think it was only there because of the joker tie-in it was like how do we how do we it was like they it was like the writer and the director had a list of like five things that make the joker the joker green hair clown makeup laughs uh probably harley quinn and then anti-batman and they have to show and they had the development of that right yeah and i didn't necessarily need i definitely didn't need any of that right i didn't Um, think so either obviously this movie would have probably never been made at least to the scale that it was. If this wasn't a tie in to the Joker, the Joker is what gets it green lit. Right. It's what allows the story to be told. And right. and I get that. I understand that. Um, I would have, I would have probably called this movie a filmic cinematic masterpiece. If it did not have these to me forced DC tie ins. Yeah. Um, because it would have just been this beautifully well shot, well color graded, well acted, journey of a man going completely insane around the society that kind of didn't help him well and they probably and you and if it wasn't joker then they don't get the budget sure it doesn't maybe it doesn't get greenlit maybe it does and they get a fraction of the budget and it's not and it doesn't look anything like what it did then that's that's my biggest thing i understand that you're using the vehicle the dc vehicle to tell the absolute best story best version of the story you wanted to tell um but i i think that there is other ways they could have incorporated the dc elements yeah or just pulled back a little bit because in, in your, you, you asked me like other references. I mean, I, I feel like the green hair, the laughing, the clown makeup is fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to count that because to me, that's a, that could be an int- interesting character element for any movie of this idea because it's kind of built up with this clown temp agency in the very beginning. Yeah. So to me, that's, yeah. that's not like them forcing the Joker thing. I think that that works. Um, the laughing thing it worked for me as the movie went on because you kind of see like how much it, it really affects him. Right. So it, it it just adds into like why everyone around him thinks he's a freak or whatever. Right. And it's something he can't control. And yeah, that worked, but the green hair didn't work. And then all of the Bruce Wayne, all the Wayne stuff did not work for me at all. Yeah. Okay. So let's contrast that with what really did work. Um, dude, the total sixth sense relationship with the girl was like oh. amazing. <laughs> it was, I, I'm, I was I'm like, interested to, so did you, did you realize it was a hallucination before it was a hallucination? No, oh, okay. Not at all. It yeah. was a total sixth sense moment when they re when you, when they did the flashback takes of those moments where they were together. Yeah. Which is she ripped straight from fight club. And when she wasn't there. Yeah, those yeah. shots are all ripped straight from Fight Club, so which was, was fine. I was yeah. totally fine with it. It yeah. worked, and but it just got. I was like, "Oh snap!" Yeah, I guess a part of me. I mean, I I saw it coming, but 
I, I don't know. I watch these style of movies all the time. So it, it's not, it's not out of the realm of, of knowledge subconsciously for me probably, but um, especially because of the, the earlier ones that happen, if the earlier moments of him, like imagining Robert De Niro, who, sorry, by the way, Robert De Niro is great in this. Oh, he's great. Fantastic. He, he's so good in this. Yeah. Um, if they didn't have the scenes earlier on of, Robert, of him imagining Robert De Niro, like actually liking yeah, him, giving and being him a, a hug on the figure, show. Yeah. yeah. Imagine him. Then I would have maybe been a little more surprised with the love interest, you know, uh, uh, fake out. Well, I think I think the thing was was is that there was such a there was such a one eighty after the shootings on the train. Yeah, you know, and it felt like like he was he, like he was standing up for himself for the first time, and he got this overwhelming sense of confidence, right? And just walks right down to the to her door, knocks on the door, and then and and I was a little bit shocked. Yeah, I was but it, too. That, that she totally went for it, and he was yeah, in all the clown makeup. But it it was it was believable. Well, like it was like that's the problem that I, it wasn't believable to me, and I think that's okay. why it stuck out as being fake. Like right then, I mm-hmm. knew that it wasn't real. Two reasons: one, there wasn't enough buildup between them to right. sell that moment. Other for than me. just the elevator, and that was experience. It. Yeah, and there wasn't enough if there had been maybe two more instances, two more moments that they, yeah, that they interacted and, but real, there were real moments where they interacted. Cause I don't even know with this movie. I don't know what is real and what's not. It's a lot like fight club in that regard. Right. Yeah. Where like, was the, how much was he imagining when she came and knocked on his door? Well, that was fake. Yeah. That was an imagination. Um, Was the elevator scene even did that even happen at all? Yeah. Did she do the thing, you know, like where she does the hand gesture at all? Like, was any of that even real or was right. he imagining it from as soon as she walked on the elevator? That's right. when he started imagining it. Right. I don't know. Um, and also did he just imagine the whole movie while he was in Arkham asylum at the very end that, which is oh. my kind of theory oh. is that the whole thing actually didn't even happen. Wow. Yeah. So that that's one that I like. I like that idea that huh. he he's in Arkham because he's unstable and but he's in Arkham and and he's been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time and you actually just saw a fake origin movie for the Joker which would be in line with the Joker. Right. That I like. I yeah. like that idea a lot. Um but I don't know if the writing or the the production company is going to be that in uh, gutsy <laughs> to, to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Or if that was the intended idea, but anyways, so um, yeah, I, I just, there was a lot of things that just didn't work for me. Um, and then the, what kind of lends into that theory that it's all fake is like all of a sudden he's this hero and it didn't, it, it felt, it felt very out of nowhere that he would be treated as such. Like how did the guys in the ambulance that hit him when he's in the cop car, how do they know he was in that cop car? Mm-hmm. That thing came out of nowhere. Like right. there's, there's so many coincidences in it that kind of make me think this is all in his head. Right. And so that's where my theory comes from. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, coming back to that. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I saw it coming in it's a bummer that like uh, Zazie or Zazie beats isn't, she's the actress that plays that yeah. character. 
isn't in it more. I think she's great. She is great. Uh, yeah. She's in Atlanta, and then yeah. she's also she was also in Deadpool too. She was um yep uh, the lucky lucky girl. I can't. I didn't see it coming, and I'm not gonna poo poo that part of it just because I did see it coming, and <laughs> I thought it was great. Hey, that's fine. Like- <laughs> that's fine because people have different experiences. Yeah, and and I think that was the that that part of it was like oh snap. Oh, and it made you go back. It was that. It was that kind of that reveal, that sixth sense type of reveal to go. Oh, I just been duped this whole yeah, time. Yeah, I know? think and you kind of go back and we're like, oh wait, and then it makes you question everything. <laughs> I I love the idea of it. I just I guess it's the execution maybe. Yeah, that that bothered me. Yeah, fair enough. If they wouldn't have had the earlier instances, maybe another scene of of relational development, yeah. and before, then and then yeah. not having pre shown like his his thought process right or his figment of his that didn't bother me though that didn't bother me then with him you know the whole on the murray show and all that yeah. whole thing it didn't bother me at all yeah um, I, I guess it does feel having that also it feels the idea of is any of it real yeah at all so right well um, which is i think one of the most interesting ways to look at it yeah and that's cool i like that i like that idea i want to see it again with that in mind yeah and this then, is definitely a movie i need to see another time to like yeah. just really fully grasp what i'm watching but uh, it, it's heavy it's dark i think the the riots and everything was a flashback for me in the la riots in 92 and so i was like oh this is this is far too real, you know, and, you know, with the Rodney King beating and then the riots break out and Reginald Denny gets drug out of his truck and beat to almost death. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just, it was like society is so fragile and, you know, my, there's just a lot of very serious issues that this, you know, it brings up the issue of, of mental health, obviously. That's the one, the glaring one that's right in your face. Yeah. Um, but they bring up the issue of of all the um, organizations that were helping that were state-funded got shut down. Yeah. Which is, that's real life. That's what's happening. Yeah, right. And what's happened. Yeah. Um, There's also the other aspect of the billionaires thinking that they need to come in and rip people out of the mud. Yeah. And that's not the right way to look at that no. at all. I mean, if you want to be a helpful billionaire, be a helpful billionaire, but don't be an yeah. arrogant prick about it. No, fund fund some of these programs then. Yeah, right. You know, uh, right. take it upon it. And it'll probably be better than the state funded one because you won't have all the, anyway. Yeah. But there's that. There's, there's this, the tension that it definitely you know, highlights and plays off of. Um, and then the issue of suicide. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's got, ide- he's got ideation, you know, he's sitting there thinking about it, you know, with the gun and just imagining what he's going to do on the Murray show. And then he takes a turn. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, there's just a lot of darkness um, killing his mom you know, right. I mean, whew. yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> there, there was a lot of too many things that were too real that, you know, I could see 
I could see how somebody could easily go, this guy's the hero because he's he's fighting the system that's really not the system is broken. Um you I mean anybody that lives in LA drives down the street, they can see homelessness all over everywhere. And ironically, a lot of the homelessness is people that have mental health issues. Yeah, right. That have been left out on the street because whatever program has been cut or, or what it have you. And there's a lot of different situations. I'm sure I'm generalizing. So, yeah, but it's, it's prevalent and it's like society's failing people. You know, this, this, <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be the most advanced society in all of history. And yet the, the, the yeah. most, we're not looking out for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and it's just, there's too many, too many, too many very real ties to what this movie communicates. And it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I know it's a movie, but um, if some things don't, you know, not, the, the seriousness of the podcast tone has changed. That's been <laughs> but, a pretty serious one. Yeah. Um, but the, society is the fibers of society are unraveling and it's very it's it's uh it's very fragile people might not want to realize it people might want because of normalcy bias they want to sit and bury their heads or they're not they don't want to believe but you can't walk down the street and you can't take a look around and not see it so you know hopefully it shakes some people out of their complacency and, and helps. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> for me, like the, the takeaway that is uh, hopefully the intended one. Um, and then also is the one that I got and that I'm hoping people actually grasp onto is that, yeah, mental health is an issue. Yeah. You know? Um, yes. Not that society is the the enemy or no. like that other yep. people are the enemy but um yeah i, I we I, don't need to demonize anything right. or anyone yeah that so just so i say that um i completely agree yeah but we do need to fix some things oh for sure <laughs> we, some things we, yeah, right. we need to help we, yeah you know and i think it start yeah. like again and go, going back to the beginning it starts with providing a safe yeah. Non-judgmental, non-stigmatic uh, environment where people feel like you care and right. that are willing to help. Yeah. It's a, it's a two and a half hour movie that I would hate for people to only focus on the, uh, the last eight minutes of. Yeah. Um, because that is not the overall message of the entire movie. And um, if that's what people do focus on, then um that's uh, not healthy, not well, good, what, and it's not how the would right you, way to go. How would you summarize the message of the movie? Like, if you were to summarize that up in one sentence, what well, would that be? I, I can summarize what the message isn't, and the message isn't um, take up arms and um, go against the the one percent in the society that has um, not necessarily wronged you, but in your mind wronged you, right? Um, because you have this, you have this um, fabricated um view this outlook on life that the world has done this to you 
And yeah, the world sucks and 2019 has sucked for a lot of people, but it is not something that you go and, you know, shoot a, a talk show host in the head about, you know what I mean? Right. Like you the, don't hurt other people yeah, because of right. how you're feeling. So right. Exactly. If you, if you have these thoughts, if you have any of these ideologies, if you have any of these, you know, feelings that you want to go out and then you want to portray what the last eight minutes of Joker portrays the Joker as, um, please like tell somebody, talk to somebody, um, you know, let, let anyone listen because that is not the, the theme of this movie. This theme of this movie is to not empower people to do this. It is, it is to draw attention to the complexities and the, um, the imperfections in the system and the, um, the unfortunate power that, um, uh, someone with an unhealthy mental state, um, can have, Right. to other people with unhealthy yeah. mental states. Yeah. So, um, you know, it'd be yeah. really cool too, is as we wrap up this particular episode is, is that if we could, um, put, we'll, we'll put some, uh, resources yeah. in the, in the show notes and, um, you know, and I, it, it's a subject that's, 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 uh, very serious and it's one that, um, needs to be handled with sensitivity and with respect and with kindness and care. And uh, we're going to be a part of the solution and, and help give you some resources. We, yeah. we, we just want to be a, a part of helping. Yep. We'll have some links in the description. Um, to just a couple other things, you know, to, to reach out to and, um, and even us like tweeted us, Instagram, DM us, um, talk to us if you need to uh just, nobody should be going through mental health alone um right and uh th there's there's avenues there's outlets there's people there's suicide hotline there's all kinds of stuff that yeah. there's people that are that and i think that people need to hear that too there's people that do care yep um you you may not be aware but they do and they're they have resources and they want to help and they want to walk alongside you in this yeah. in this time so um, and we, we might be, uh, the, a tiny podcast in Phoenix, but we will, we will find the resources. We will find the help. We will find the people, um, if, if we need to. So, um, do not be afraid to talk to someone, to reach out to someone, um, to just start that conversation. And if you're on the other side of it, do not be afraid to talk to your friend about maybe what that friend is going through or yeah. that sister or that brother or that father you know um the the generation above us i mean you and i are separated by um you know close to 20 years but your generation and the generation right above you um we're told to bury their feelings we're right. told not to so talk about things right. and um look what that's gotten us right. so um we got to talk about it we have to we have to normalize conversation don't normalize poor mental health but normalize being able to talk about it and seeking to understand. Yes. I think people, if, if you, if you come from the approach of seeking to understand, I mean, it, it just brought this, I, there's a friend of mine that in high school had a hearing problem. Like he was clinically deaf and he had to wear hearing aids, but um, he was embarrassed to wear his hearing aids at school because when he was at school, people would make fun of him. Yeah. And, and so to avoid that, he didn't wear them so he couldn't hear half the stuff. So he struggled in school 
because of that. And then he also talked louder than he needed to because he couldn't hear that well. So in his own head, he was, you know, not that loud. Sure. And so he got made fun of because of him, him talking louder. And it was, and it was, it was comical in some moments, but it wasn't because of his situation, but nobody knew. A lot of people didn't Right, because he was ashamed to talk about and it. And so when, you know, and I had it because we had a good friendship and we played football together and, uh, you know, a number of other things, that, you know, and I'd been over for dinner and I, I found out about it. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is not cool. And so the next time something happened, I'm like, I pull people aside going, look, this isn't cool. Um. Because now I had understanding. Yeah. And I think when people seek to understand, then they can be more compassionate or kind or, you know, at least you would hope. Yeah. So please seek to understand. Yeah. Empathy is powerful. Yeah. So, um, guys, that about does it. I, I hope <laughs> I hope we didn't give too much of uh, a downer. Um, you know, the, it, it is a, it's, it's a, heavy. It's a heavy it's a topic. Heavy, yeah. It's, uh, heavy. it's a heavy topic. It's a heavy movie. It's um, dark. It is, yeah, a lot of a lot of dark material, um, but I think um, you know talking about things like this is is super important. Even if it's only you know sixty people listening to this, um, if one person needs to hear it, that that's that's enough for us. So absolutely, um, yeah. Thanks guys for listening, uh, Eric. Where can where can everybody find us online? Um, yeah, sure. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Eric Thurston. You can find Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Abbott's. And for the easy podcast, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the easy podcast. Or if you have any comments, questions, complaints, or concerns, you can email us at the easy podcast show at gmail.com. <laughs> We got it. That's it. We finally yep. got it. Yep, that's it. It only took bye. Peace out. Ten minutes. <laughs> Just ten minutes. Yeah, sorry. It's been for, a minute. It's a matter of, for I'm, six cents a day. You I'm can gonna... help Eric finish his closing of the Easy Podcast. Yes, please, please. I'd like to. Mm. I, I need some water. Crikey. <laughs> Yeah, guys, so thanks for listening. Um, check the links in the description for um, any sort of resources that we might have pertaining to mental illness and what we talked about today. Um, and uh, if you need any help, just let us know. Like, just hit us up. Seriously, we'll uh, we'll talk to you no matter where you are. So, so thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. See you, guys.